0: Now today, I won't start off with a scripture reading, but I'd like to speak of the Holy Spirit. Now there are doctrines which are truly fundamental to the Christian faith, to the evangelical Christian faith. There are other distinctives by which we have our various denominations. But these really are secondary issues. I'm not saying that they are not important, but they should not spoil Christian fellowship. And, of course, one of the very fundamental doctrines, uh, or some of the fundamental doctrines, have to do with the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, he is God, God manifest in the flesh, uh, that uh, he died, he rose again bodily, He was seen by more than 500 people on one occasion. And then he ascended into heaven where he ever lives to make intercession for us. Uh, We must hold to the doctrine of the uh, truth that there is one God. But one God exists eternally from eternity past and eternally in three persons. And each person has a distinct work which he does. And so this morning I'd just like to focus on uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, uh, not so much in the life of Christians, but uh, in Old Testament times. Now we need to understand this right from the very beginning, that the Holy Spirit is a person. We must speak of him as he and him and his not as it. Uh, he is not a, a well as the Jehovah's Witness say he is God's active force but he's just an influence that uh, that is in the world. No the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, we speak of him as being the third person of the Godhead uh, not because he is third in seniority or in rank but uh, just to identify, if we were to speak of the second person of the Godhead, we're simply referring to the Lord. But each person is equal in uh, in glory, in authority, and so often we have uh, those three uh, linked together. He is a real person. And in, in fact... Uh, before the Lord went to the cross when he was speaking to those 11 disciples in the upper room uh, in John chapters 14, 15 and 16 uh, Iscariot had already left in chapter 13 he's no longer there, 11 disciples and he spoke uh, to them of his going away but when he goes well, he, he said I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And so he's speaking of the Holy Spirit and the very fact that he gives him that title, a comforter, speaks very clearly of personality. He is a person. And uh, and, and more than that, but he is a divine person. He is God. And we give him the same reverence that we give God the Father and God the Son. And so... um, Uh, we see the three persons of the Godhead in their uh, in their distinctive uh, roles uh, on one occasion, and that is the baptism of our Lord Jesus. Remember John the Baptist; he was the forerunner. He was the one who was proclaiming that uh, the Messiah is coming, and prepare every Valleys shall be exalted. The hills shall be brought down low. The valleys of depression and and so forth. the hills of of pride and uh, the crooked places made plain the crookedness and the perversion of the people and he 's calling upon people to repent and step into the Waters of the Jordan River for him to baptize them. And then the day comes when he looks, and they're coming towards him is the Lord of glory. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And the Lord Jesus asked to be uh, baptized. John protested at the beginning, but our Lord insisted. He went down into the waters, he was baptized. And then we read that as God the Son was coming up out of the water, God the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and a voice from the most excellent glory said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is God the Father. And so on that occasion we see the three persons of the Godhead. And uh, and, and as I say, th- there are other secondary issues which... Uh, that people interpret differently, but they should not spoil good Christian fellowship together. I, I think of a few men in the fa- in, in the past. In Northern Ireland, uh, there was the Presbyterian minister Ian Paisley, a Baptist minister, uh, Willie Mullen. Different in their uh, interpretation of some of the Christian doctrines and yet united in their love for the lost and, uh, and also their fellowship with each other. Uh, Ian Paisley would, would uh, visit uh, Willie Mullen at times and Willie would say, you're going to get me shot one day. Paisley was something of a marked man. And, uh, and he's come in for uh, uh, some criticism even from non-Christian circles but totally un, 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 um, uncalled for. Uh, it was uh, Ian Paisley who preached Willie Mullins funeral uh, but even with their differences they had great warm christian fellowship together another one from the past another example from the past would be george whitfield and john wesley and uh, two two different um denominational figures and yet Uh, they enjoyed great fellowship together and on one occasion uh, George Whitfield was asked by one of his parishioners do you expect to see John Wesley in heaven? and he thought and he said no no I don't expect that I will see John Wesley in heaven Wesley will be so close to the throne and I'll be so far back I don't think I'll get a glimpse of him well, there is Christian grace. And so uh, we, we need not uh, spoil good Christian fellowship with these secondary issues, but one of the vital, fundamental uh, doctrines is the doctrine of the Godhead, that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and so we come this morning to consider Well, actually, mainly this morning, uh, some of the instances of the work of the Holy Spirit in Old Testament times. Now, since our Lord ascended into heaven, as he promised, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And so this is essentially the age of the Holy Spirit. But he was active in Old Testament times and even from the very dawn of creation. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, where we read... In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. It was shapeless, it was empty. And darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. He was there at the creation The Spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters, brooding over the face of the waters, hovering over the face of the waters. And uh, and so he was there at creation. When you come to the book of Job, uh, Job, uh, we believe, was a contemporary of Abraham or thereabouts. Uh, He he is from uh, the ages uh, that we have recorded in those early chapters of Genesis. Uh, But uh, the book of Job is almost in the middle of the Bible. But uh, uh, Job, when he was afflicted, uh, he was the subject of the wrath of uh, Satan. Uh, Actually, Satan's real problem was with God, but uh, Job was merely the pawn. But um, uh, when Job suffered those terrible uh, events that came upon him three friends joined him. For the first week, they just sat with him in his grief and spoke nothing. But after that, they started to speak, and each one in turn spoke, and Job answered them. And in chapter 26, uh, he's answering one of his friends, Bildad, for the final time. And uh, and, and the things that Job said on that occasion are truly remarkable, but uh, concerning... uh, Concerning God and creation, he said this, that uh, he hath garnished the heavens by his spirit. Well, I might have got the word order around the wrong way. By his spirit he has garnished the heavens. But the, but the knowledge that uh, Job had is truly remarkable. Just to This may be just a little digression here. But um, uh, this is Job chapter 26. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He binds the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. Now, what knowledge this man has. We look at the fluffy clouds and we think, yes, yes, it's so soft and fluffy, but the vast tonnage of water which is held and suspended in those clouds Well, you can see its destructive force when flooding rains come. But in the meantime, they are there, held in suspension above the Earth. This uh, weight of water. But um, also, uh, he hangs the Earth on nothing. This planet Earth is a planet in space. Uh, We are one of the planets of the solar system orbiting around the sun once every 365 and a quarter days. Job told that then, just 500 and a little bit years ago in 1492, people thought the earth was flat. Sail too close to the edge and you'll go off it. And, and, uh, and Job pointed this out so long ago. But what I wanted to bring out here was, uh, he said, by his spirit he adorned the heavens. And, uh, and truly, it seems that the Holy Spirit has an eye for beauty he he garnished the heavens he adorned the heavens and uh, <coughs> if, if you were to go uh, well away from any man made <coughs> lights, you can really see that this is so. Um, I, I was uh, with a companion we were bushwalking in Frachenay peninsula off the east coast of tasmania uh, quite some years ago and um, My friend, he'd gone to a knoll, uh, a rocky knoll overlooking the Tasman Sea. He wanted to take some photos of uh, pre-sunrise and so forth. Mad photographer. But uh, I was going to remain in in the tent. Well, uh, we had our tents on the saddle between two mountains, Mount Graham and Mount Frashenay, and uh, there were no outside lights to be seen anywhere. We were not all that far from Swansea to the west and the Tasman Highway with traffic on it uh, to Coles Bay close by. Uh, there were lights, but uh, from is sheltered between these two mountains. There were no other lights. It was a beautiful clear sky. Um, I was in my sleeping bag, but I came out to look up at the sky and it was all pitch dark except for the, there was not even a moon. And wow, I saw the heavens as I'd never seen them before. He has adorned the heavens by his spirit. He has garnished the heavens. And, and it's only when you are away from every artificial light, every man-made light, that you truly appreciate the beauty of a night sky on a clear night. Uh, of course, I didn't stay there all night. I went back into the tent uh, before the dew started to fall. But... But um, uh, I wasn't thinking of Job at the time. I'd been meditating upon John chapter 15 where the Lord said to his disciples um, uh, that uh, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I've been calling you servants but no longer do I call you servants. From here on I call you my friend. And I was just thinking, I I was audacious enough to... uh, put my name in there, I said, I am a friend of the one who made all of that. And it was just an overwhelming experience, the beauty of that night sky he has adorned. Well, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in creation. But he also came upon certain individuals. He came upon certain individuals for a specific purpose and he departed from them for one reason or another and on one of these occasions it was Moses Uh, Moses of course was the one uh, um, under. well he was the leader under the control of God to bring the people of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt and in the book of uh, Numbers we have repeatedly how the people were uh, complaining about one thing or another and uh, and he, he must have been so very patient, but uh, the time came when he must have been really getting overwhelmed. And we re- remember, we've got a vast number of people. Uh, they, they were numbered, um, and there must have been close on 2 million people, surely, because um, uh, there were 603,000 fighting men. Now, these are ma- males from 20 years old and upwards, who, who were fighting men, who were able to go to, to war. So they were numbered as uh, more than 600,000. So add to that uh, around about an equal number of the female population. Then you've got all the population below age 20 and you've got those of retirement age who are no longer able to go and they are just 11 tribes. The tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe, was not included. So adding these up, we must be on close on uh, 2 million people and here we have uh, the people complaining. Uh, they'd been, uh, they said... Well, they needed food for the way, but um, they were given uh, they, they were given manna and Now uh, we see in chapter eleven of numbers. Now, the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving, so the children of Israel also wept and said, "Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic." But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna, heavenly food that they were given every day freely. Nothing but this manna. And, uh, and so as they complained, Moses heard the complaint and he went to the Lord. He said, um, Moses said to the Lord in verse 11, Why have you afflicted your servant? Speaking of himself in the third person. Why have I not found favour in your sight that you've laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? Did you say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? Well, the Lord replied, Verse 16 Gather to me 70 men, select 70 men with leadership potential whom you know to be elders, officers over them, bring them to the tabernacle, then I will come down. Now the words from the Lord here for these people seem to me to be a judgment upon them, and yet it seems that Moses did not accept them as a judgment, but uh, he had another question to follow. But uh, this is what God said concerning the complaining on this occasion, and this is just one of many. Verse 18, Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. That to me sounds like a judgment. But Moses went on to say, but where am I going to get all the cattle from to butcher to make the meat? So he, I don't know whether I've missed something or whether Moses did, but but he's still looking at um, providing this meat. Where are we going to get all the animals and is, are there enough fish in the sea for them all? Well, um, we read here that what God had said was that he would take of the spirit which uh which that is the holy Spirit which was on Moses and that uh that these seventy elders, these seventy leaders they would be energized uh with that uh spirit um <clears throat> And and so so that is one of the times when Moses was energised by the Holy Spirit in Old Testament times, altogether different to these times. And uh, uh, as we come further along the way, we see that the Holy Spirit descended upon others for a specific purpose. When we go through the book of Judges, and we see there the number of times that, that... People go into uh, some sort of bondage because of their continual and willful uh, disbelief and uh, into sin, and then they repent, and God raises up a judge, and we read how the, uh, the um, Holy Spirit uh, dis- descends upon them. And uh, <clears throat> uh, for for example, we have we have. Um, uh, the judges in the book of Judges, like Gideon and Jephthah, and I suppose the most exciting would be uh, Samson, and uh, how when um, God was raising these up, that the spirit of God came upon them, so that they were able to do uh, mighty deeds. Uh, Samson, for example, uh, 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 took a young lion that was attacking him, and he defeated it, and uh, 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 he, he was given great strength because of a Nazarite vow that he had made and, uh, and so when he was uh, toying with sin and um, uh, then uh, he, he gave the secret to Delilah who was pestering him and asking him and told her all about his vow and uh, one of the marks of my vow is this long hair Cut off my hair, and I'll be weak. And uh, and so we read that the, whole, that the spirit left Samuel on that occasion, uh, Samson rather, and that he was captured, uh, blinded, and was a prisoner. But uh, but when his hair began to grow, the spirit came back upon him once again. Uh, King Saul is one uh, very notable one. Um, the, the people, uh, Sam, uh, Samuel was the leader at the time, and uh, and then the time came when the people were saying to Samuel, uh, all the nations around about us have have their kings. We don't have a king. We want a king. And uh, Samuel said, no, you, you, you do have a king. God is your king. He is your leader. He's the one who fights your battles for you. No, no, no. We want a king like the other nations. And so finally... Well when Samuel uh, Samuel went to the Lord he said the people have rejected me. God said no Samuel they've not rejected you they've rejected me but nevertheless give them their king. And so um, so the first king chosen was King Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, we are introduced to him when he's out uh, looking for his father's donkeys. And uh, and he's the one that uh, Samuel has to single out to be the king. And when, uh, when he comes to Saul, Saul says, No, I, I, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. That's, that's the smallest tribe of all. And, and not only that, but um, the family that I come from, uh, most insignificant, this can't be right, and, and of the whole family, well, I'm the least of all of them in the family. He started off well. He started off humble. And uh, even when the time came to uh, to bring him before the people as king, he wasn't to be found. He was hiding. This is the sort of person he was at the beginning, but he was crowned to be king. And at the beginning, he was so good uh, that there was an attack um, made upon the people from uh, the uh, Ammonites under the leadership of uh, the king, Um, Nahash and and now I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and we read here that uh, Nahash the Ammonite came and encamped against Jabesh Gilead all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash make a covenant with us and we will serve you well the covenant that he put before them was to have their right eyes removed and uh, he let them to live well um, uh, this young king, King Saul, when he got to hear about it, um, uh, I'm looking now at verse 5. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field and Saul said, what troubles the people that they weep? These are the people of Jabesh Gilead, they're going to have to face the prospect of having their right eyes gouged out. So they're in the words of the people of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. He took a yoke of oxen, cut them in pieces, sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the messengers. If you don't come and join me, this is what's going to happen to your oxen is the message that he had for them there. And so the fear of the Lord came upon all the people. Well, we read here that... um, Uh, that the spirit of the Lord came upon Saul and uh, uh, his his strategy was brilliant to get all the fighting men of Israel, put them into three companies and uh, save the people of uh, Jabesh in Gilead. Just a small, peaceful community. And uh, it's very interesting to note that uh, when Paul... Uh, was killed in battle some 40 years later. Uh, his body was desecrated, he, he was beheaded, uh, his head taken back to uh, one of the Philistine cities and uh, his body uh, fastened to the wall in Bethshan and uh, of all of the people there, it was those uh, from Jabesh Gilead who had travelled all night to come to bring the bodies of Saul and his three sons uh, back to deal with them. But um, uh, so for 40 years, those people had not forgotten the debt that they owed uh, to King Saul. But he was energized by the Holy Spirit. He didn't remain that way. He became very, very disobedient, uh, willfully, repeatedly disobeying God. And so we come to chapter 16 and uh, God has said to Samuel, I've rejected Saul from being king, fill your horn with oil, go and anoint one of the sons of Jesse. And so we read here that uh, David was anointed to be the next king and the uh, spirit of the Lord came upon David. First uh, Samuel chapter 16 verse 3. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. So, this is how the Holy Spirit was operating on individuals in Old Testament times to come upon them for a specific purpose and then to leave them. And uh, it goes on to say But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord anointed him. I think there may be just something of a lesson here. Saul, this one who started off so well, he was a humble man. He rose magnificently to the occasion when the threat was coming from the Ammonites. And yet he finished up so poorly. And if this can happen to to uh, Saul, the first king, surely it can happen to anyone. And as we look around Uh, Modern day Christianity, some of the church leaders that we've had, some of the Bible teachers that we've respected, looked up to, learned a lot from, and yet we find that their finish leaves, uh, well, it, it leaves us almost weeping because of the way they depart. Saul was one such as this. David, of course, he had his faults also. He fell into grievous sin, but uh, but uh, the Spirit of the Lord uh, w- was upon David, and in that beautiful Psalm 51 of his, where he confesses his sin, he prays a prayer which is not appropriate for Christians to pray, but follows up with a prayer that is. I'm referring to Psalm 51, David's prayer of... Penitence. And in that prayer, he's he's, uh, confessing to God. He said, I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. He said, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. He said, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Not saying that there was any sinful act involved with his conception, but rather that he was born with a sinful nature. I was shaped in an iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. But then he prays this prayer. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, in our age today, we do not pray that prayer praise God when the Holy Spirit indwells the believer he comes to stay but in Old Testament times the Holy Spirit did come upon a person and did depart from a person as in the case of uh of King Saul um but then the uh, part that we do uh Pray, when we fall into sin, when we come back into fellowship with God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David had not lost his salvation, but he certainly lost the joy of his salvation. And so it is with us when we too uh, fall into sin, our fellowship with our God is broken. The Holy Spirit doesn't depart from us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, but, but uh, we lose the joy of our salvation. The Holy Spirit cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy and peace, long-suffering and so forth. Our first love for the Lord, joy. We lose the joy of our salvation and this can be restored. The peace... Peace I leave with you, said the Lord to those 11. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. But we, we lose that peace and we become agitated and, and so on. And we must keep short accounts with God and very quickly get back into right relationship with God. We have that blessed avenue open to us to confess and forsake our sin. And to come back to the Lord once again. And so uh, just as I close now. um, Just the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the coming of the Son of Man. We believe that our Lord Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. This is speaking about the Lord. He is God, he was with God. Uh, the Greek of that um, expression, the word was with God, uh, points us to a special intimacy between father and son. And, uh, and, and there is that closeness between father and son. But we come to verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So God uh, took upon himself human uh, human flesh in the form of the Lord Jesus becoming man. Well, um, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she was to be the one chosen to give birth to the Messiah, uh, she she asked the question, well, how can this be? I'm not in any relationship with a man. Uh, surely not me. And the answer she was given was this, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. The power of the Highest shall overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born of you shall be called the Son of God. Here is the work of the Holy Ghost in the birth of our Lord Jesus. Um, to uh, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter one, uh, this time it is Joseph when he realizes that his beloved is pregnant, and he's not the father, and uh, he's going to put her away privately. And once again, Gabriel comes to Matthew, uh, to um, to Joseph, and says, "Don't be afraid to take Mary your wife, because she is a child of the Holy Ghost." And so we, uh, I'm finishing this morning with that the Holy Ghost was there to bring about uh, the 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 virginal conception of the Son of God in the body of Mary. But uh, next week, Lord's Day, uh, it it will be the work of the Holy Spirit in New Testament times, his work with the unsaved and uh, helping an unbeliever who's coming to Christ to pass, take that step, to pass from death unto life and then his ministry in the lives of the people of God uh, from then on. Loving Father, we bow once again to return our thanks uh, for this precious time that we have had this morning. We thank you for every remembrance we've had of our Saviour. We thank you, Father, that once again we've been able to remember him specifically in the way that brings gladness to his heart in the eating of the bread, the drinking of the cup, in fond remembrance of that great sacrifice made for us. And we give you thanks too that uh, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the one who will come to bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever we have learned concerning Christ, the one who is the Comforter, the one who comforts in sorrow, the one who is our teacher, the one who who produces fruit for the Master's glory. And so, Lord, we do pray that we may part with your blessing and we do so praying that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit will be our lot as we go forth into another week. And so we ask that we part with your blessing now in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.